Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Mr. Fryer, let's go. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? I spent a big portion of my broadcasting career inside of NFL locker rooms. I really enjoy talking to football players, especially defensive football players. I've, I've found that I bond with them. So when I got the opportunity, someone was like, hey, do you want to talk with KJ Wright? I was like, yes, I would like to talk with him. And now he is available to me. I'm like, yay! He joins me on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. KJ, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it. What's going on, Lawrence? How you doing, man? Man, I am doing really well. So, so look, free agent right now, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is the plan to still play, or are you ready to move to the next thing? The plan is still to play. I still got a good bit left in the tank, as you saw um, last year. I didn't play that much, but when I was out there, I was doing my thing. And so still want to play, still want to ball, and um, had a great time in, in Vegas last year and, um, you know, had a stellar career in Seattle. And so the, the door is still open where every team wants to make that offer. Let's try to make it happen. All right, well, let's talk about Seattle for a second. You guys were, I mean, the, the Legion of Boom and, and had such a great run of things for a really mm-hmm. long time. What's it like for you to see all of that come to an end with the moves that they've made, obviously you leaving, and then you see Bobby Wagner's mm-hmm. gone, and now Russ is gone. What's it like for you to see that no longer be a thing? You know, what's funny about that run is that as cool and as special as it was, in my mind, it ended way too soon. I felt like for that team that we had, one Super Bowl was cool, but it wasn't enough. And so we just had such a tremendous talent, such a tight you know, bond between the players, I feel like we had way more to give to the NFL. And so to see that it all just unfold in front of my eyes when I was there, you know, with Cam getting hurt, Earl getting hurt, Sharm getting hurt, having to leave, it ended way too quickly. And so for Bobby and Tarosa to leave, that just showed you that, you know, the era is definitely over. All those Super Bowl guys are gone. And so that's starting from square one back in Seattle. What, what was the most fun that you had playing with those teams? probably just stepping on the field knowing that we were the best you you could just see the intimidation 
and guys is, you know, the way they played and their eyes and pregame, just to, just to see the confidence that we had and, and the practices, the competitive practices that we had. You know, something, you know, a lot of the guys would say that the practices were more challenging than the games were. And so it was just really cool to see how on point we were, how competitive we were. And uh, we just had a really special time. And to sit back and watch Marshawn Lynch do his thing each and every Sunday was a show in itself. So had a tremendous time. And, um, you know, it, you know, we had a lot of good stuff done together. I, I've heard people speculate that the guys on the defense in, in those Seattle teams didn't like Russ. Set the record straight. How did you feel about Russ and, and what was he like as a teammate? Who you hear that from? <laughs> I, I've heard it from a lot of people, man. I've heard that that there there there's some folks that that didn't like that Russ had as much money and power and control uh, as he did. So I, I want to know, man. You were in that locker room. What's the deal? I, I'll, I'll say this. I would say that defensively speaking, a lot of guys on the defense felt like, okay, the success that we're having is from us and from Marshawn. And from the outside world, it's looking like Russ is the guy that's getting these wins. And so did I, I, I like Russell. I, I like Russell, but it's just when, you know, the media gets involved, money gets involved, a lot of opinions start getting involved as well. And so he was part of the guys, and it was just, it was just unfortunate that those questions got raised because he was right there in the trenches with us. A lot of guys felt like he wasn't being held accountable the way that the, the defensive players were. But quarterbacks usually get put on the pedestal in, in any team. And so it's just unfortunate that those questions and opinions were brought upon him because from, you know, the guy worked his tail off. He was there early and he can't help what the outside forces say about him. Are you surprised that he's not a Seahawk? Because it, it felt like that that was going to be the thing that the defensive, he got the money. The defensive guys had to scatter because there wasn't <laughs> enough money to pay the defensive guys and that he would be a Seahawk mm-hmm. for life. So is it weird to now see that he's going to be playing in Denver? I'm, I'm not surprised at all. You could tell about two off-seasons ago that there was starting to be some disconnection between philosophy and him and Coach Carroll, the management as far as, you know, he you know he went on the record saying he's tired of getting hit. Russell never says anything about anyone. So you could tell he was starting to say some stuff that he was unhappy about. And so once you start saying that stuff and the disconnect started happening, you got to either choose the team or choose a player. And so Coach Carroll and John Schneider had to make a really tough decision. It's like, hey, we got to go in a new direction. Russell, thank you for the past 10 years, but, you know, this this era is, is over now. NFL linebacker K.J. Wright joining me here on the score. I, when, when I think about what those teams have, have gone through, I, I, I'm so happy that I'm able to talk to you because I feel like you guys did some stuff defensively that we hadn't seen. What, what do you think made you guys' defenses so so tough for offenses to deal with? Mm-hmm. I believe that John Schneider, he did a fantastic job in putting like-minded individuals on the football field. Like, we were so, like, gritty. We all had a chip on our shoulder. We was all hungry to prove ourselves. And you knew that if you stepped on that football field on defense, if you wasn't on your A game, you wouldn't make any plays because the, the next guy beside you, was going to get to that ball. And so just from the pass rush to the back end, you know, to obviously with me and Bobby doing our thing in the middle, it was just a collective group of guys that were just on point and wanted to be the best on the football field. And so they just struck gold when they drafted us. And, um, yeah, we just all jumped together off the field. You know, we grew up together, got married. Everybody started having kids. So 
just a fantastic group. How do you think the linebacker position has changed from the moment that you started in the league to where we're at right now? All the, all that these guys care about now is speed. If you run a four four, you're a good linebacker, which is pretty unfortunate. That's how the scouts see it. And um, but we know that this is a, a speed game. But at the same time, you got to have the intellect. You got to have the leadership. You got to have that demeanor to run the defense. And so if I'm if I'm a GM, I'm looking for guys like a Bobby Wagner, guys like myself, guys who can be pros on and off the field, guys who obviously are athletic. But you got to have that 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 quarterback of the defense mentality to um to have a great defense and to be a great linebacker. It seems like what defenses are looking for because of what offenses are doing are these kind of hybrid backers that maybe the guy played safety mm-hmm. in in college and and you move him to the linebacker spot because you you have to have a, a to to fill a need yeah. because of the way that these offenses work what are they not mm-hmm. getting? Like, well, what are the things that they're they're lacking at that position <laughs> that, that can sometimes make up for – if I'm talking about a 4-6 linebacker, if he knows where to be, he might be as effective, if not more effective, than a 4-4 guy who doesn't. That is so disrespectful when coaches do that, when GMs do that. Say, hey, you're a bigger safety, come play linebacker. That, just because you're fast and can catch interceptions, that does not make you a great linebacker. You got to be able to take on 300 pound plus men on a consistent basis. You got to be able to guard tight ends. You got to be able to to blitz and get to the quarterback. And so, just because you're fast, that does not equal to being a really good linebacker. We have to be confident. We have to call the huddle. We have to set the front. We have to to have that presence. Being early in the building. There's so much more to it than just, oh, you're a fast guy, come play this position. And so a lot of GMs do miss out on that, and I believe that this position got to get back to just the Brian Erlackers and the Lance Briggs and and how you're going to be just a solid linebacker. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I worked with Lance for a really long time. I, I love talking to him about it, and he talks a lot about the, the toughness that it takes to play the position in that there's a lot of smarts that goes into that spot, and, and you don't mm-hmm. want to lose sight of – how important it is to have someone who understands game flow, that understands right. the play calling from, from the offensive side and how teams are going to attack you. Right, right, right. And so, yeah, I, I know from, as far as me and Bobby, we always went back and watched some Lance Briggs film. That guy was phenomenal in my eyes. I, I'm waiting for him to get in the Hall of Fame. Is it time for him to be in the Hall of Fame yet? Is this time, is this time he, up? Yeah, he was, on the, he was on the ballot this past year. He made it to the finalist stage but didn't get in. And yeah, all of us are really hoping that Lance gets in too. There's a part, and I I imagine you could probably relate when you play next to Mm -hmm. one of the greatest linebackers who's ever played that there's sometimes people Mm -hmm. who like, Oh, well, Lance made those plays because Brian was there. And it's like, that's not entirely accurate. Like (laughs) they they have to work together, but Lance is also a special linebacker. Yeah, you can easily say that Brian made those plays because Lance was there. It, it goes, it goes, it goes both ways. And so both those guys were phenomenal. But um, I played the wheel position, and so I always look to Lance Briggs, always study his film, and just truly admire. You know, he had that white tape around his wrist, and um, just a solid linebacker and for sure. And you know, he's going to definitely be in the Hall of Fame. You played last year against Justin Fields out with Vegas. I want to know what you thought of what you saw from Justin Fields. Justin Fields, you can tell, has all the tools 
to be successful. I, I love his deep ball. I love his the way that when the play breaks down, he's not afraid to take off running. And so you could tell that they, they reached up and got him in the draft for a reason. And so I love his confidence and um, love his demeanor. Like when he's out on the football field, he doesn't get too rattled, as you can tell. And so I just feel like he's got to take the next step. Uh, the offensive coordinator that came in, opened up the playbook a little more for him. They kind of held him back a little bit in his rookie year, as they should have. Opened the playbook a little more. Keep adding some weapons that he can get their ball to in the tight end position and the, the wide receiver position. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing him taking that next step to being a better quarterback next year. Yeah, I, I, everyone in Chicago really would like to see him su- succeed, obviously, especially on, on the rookie deal so there can be money spent around him. What's the biggest thing that young quarterbacks need to learn from from your vantage point as a linebacker? What are the things that you feel like they need to learn if they're going to grow? I believe what quarterbacks really mess up on early in the years is taking take take what the defense give you. A lot of guys, a lot of guys try to force it in there. If it's not down, don't be afraid to to throw that check down because that's really frustrating for a defense. If you just get those four or five yard checkdowns and then keep those drives alive, then that starts to open up the um, the offense. Then those linebackers start trying to jump short. Then you just get what you want. And so just just being smart with the ball. I know Coach Carroll preached to Russell early in the year: no turnovers, we, no turnovers. Just just be smart with it. Give let the defense, you know, help you out. Let the run game help you out. Don't try to feel like you have to do it all by yourself. And so Justin, you know, with a new offensive coordinator coming in. Hopefully he can learn that from him. Were you surprised to see Tom Brady come out of retirement? <laughs> Man, no, I'm not. I'm not. When you do something for 20 years, you feel like that's your life. And um, I think that just goes to show a lot of people, like the other side, it, it doesn't seem the, the most pleasant. You know, when, when you've been doing something your whole life, you know, he's probably been playing this since he was 10 years old. And to say, hey, I'm done. That that could seem a little scary, even though he has all the accolades, all the Super Bowls, all the you know MVPs, and so. And let's keep let's keep it a buck, KJ. He's got all the money too, all of it. Got all the all the money, and so my question is, what are you coming back for? What else are you trying to prove? And so, if is there a fear on the other side, I, I can definitely understand why he would want to come back. So what do you think for you? You think you think you're gonna take my job when you're done playing football? Because I <laughs> I feel I feel like you're pretty comfortable w- with the the interview process. So well, what do you, what's gonna be next yeah. for you when you're done playing? I love talking ball. I love talking sports. I also would love to put together a team. I believe that it's funny. Me, Malcolm Smith, Lofa, we always would talk about um, you know being GMs one day and and just building a, a team. And so just, just to get on that, that side and the front office side to find some talent, draft some guys, I think it would be really cool. I love hearing that because I think that there there need to be more ex-players inside of front offices. Yeah. That's a really smart way to do it. And the Bears have one now with Ryan Pohl. So that's exciting to hear that, that you're looking at that as a possible post-career route. KJ, this was a delight, mm-hmm. man. Let's Let's stay in touch. I'd love to have you on again. All right. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. It's KJ Wright. That's fun. Like every now and again, like someone would be like, hey, Lawrence, would you like to talk to blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, eh. But I jumped at the opportunity to talk with KJ, and it turned out to be pretty good. Clip that stuff for Lance. He's going to love hearing that. He's going to love hearing that.
55, like he he loves he loves linebacker history. And obviously, like with the Bears, like you have the guy that created the middle linebacker position in Bill George, and you start looking through the 85 Bears with Wilbur Marshall and Otis and Mike Singletary, and then obviously playing next to Hall of Fame linebacker Brian Urlacher. He loves to talk about linebacker play. So I know that Lance knows that there are people that like peeped his game and were like, I want to be like him. But to hear it is always nice. Shout out to Boogie, my man Boogie. Got to get Boogie on the show soon. See how he's doing. I think he's still doing his work at school too, which is fun. Really fun. B.A., his running buddy, Brian Anderson, former White Sox player, is now coaching at Arizona. I love seeing these guys, like, mature into, like, the next phase. It's pretty cool. Speaking of maturation, our next guest coached Tim Anderson on the basketball floor. We are going to talk with him because there's a new documentary that's out right now on TA We'll talk about that next here on The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Anderson. That highlight is courtesy of Fox Sports. Field of Dreams game. Spine-tingling moment. One of many that Tim Anderson has given White Sox fans and baseball fans since he's made it to the major leagues. But there's a route that he took that was unconventional. And there's a new documentary that's out right now on the White Sox YouTube page. I've watched the first episode. It's available to you. The story of TA7, the story of Tim Anderson, you should check it out. When you're done listening to the show, as a matter of fact, you should check it out. The first episode, I think, is only nine minutes long, but you'll get a sense of of what TA is like. And so I was like, well, wait, could we 
talk with Scott Suttles about this, who was Tim's coach, basketball coach in high school, one of the winningest coaches in Alabama high school history, now joins me on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Scott, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Ms. Holmes. Appreciate you having me. So so before we start talking about TA, man, I, I got to know, man, where are you more nervous? Are you more nervous on the sidelines or are you more nervous in the stands watching your daughter? Uh, that's pretty good. Um, well, quite honestly, um, when I was watching Tim Anderson and some of the some of the dudes that he played with, I, I didn't have to worry too much. So um, I don't. I'm kind of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I, I think most people, when they see me watching her and sitting on my hands, I think well, he sure doesn't coach that way. But um, no, it's just fun. It's a blessing. I never wanted to be that uh helicopter father so to speak and so i just i just kind of sit to the side and just and just just watch him have fun when you got tim when when he was a a young man and a young player what were you thinking when you first saw him play ball well i you know you got to keep it in everything in perspective tim was Slide of frame, um, I, I, you know, he literally had to run around in the shower to get wet. Um, he hula hooped with a Cheerio back in the day. Um, not anymore. Obviously, he's lived in the weight room the uh, last couple of years. But, um, you know, he, he played with some dudes that could go. Reggie Spencer played up at Northeastern in Boston. Um, Perry Buford was at Middle Tennessee State. They beat Michigan State in the NCAA tournament. So, so um, all I needed Tim to do is just come in be a lockdown defender like he was and um you know Tim was kind of introverted but but he came up big against the stiffest competition and, and when the lights were brightest I saw in, in in the episode you were saying that you people would probably not believe this now but he was a tad timid when he was younger yeah I, I know that's very very difficult for for you guys in Chicago to to believe that but um he literally he was really a quiet kid but but he led by example on the basketball court. Once, once he got out there, and and you know he's, it, it's I won't say difficult to get into his circle, but once there's a trust factor established with him, then uh, he'll open up, and um, it was just a joy coaching him because yeah, he just he just was the leader. It's kind of like yeah, Putnam when he talked. It was rare, but but people listened. His teammates listened. Did you think that he maybe had a future as a basketball player? Um, you know, someone asked me that earlier this morning, and no, he, I, I think he could have uh, played at the next level for sure. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, but I, I think the Lord led him in, in the right direction. Well, there there are, there are times, honestly, well, like when you talk to Tim, like you can tell that. He he's someone that's good at baseball, but didn't necessarily love baseball, and and I understand why. Like he's been on record and said, like there are portions of the game that are boring, and when you're comparing that to being a point guard playing basketball, I can understand where it came from. What I find amazing about him is even knowing that the work ethic is there, where he has continued to get better and better every single year. Where do you think that comes from? 
Well, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, Amy, I, you know, he was one of those guys who was a floor general, just as he um, insinuates on the um, first episode. Um, you know, I had to tell him something once, and he got us in our sets. You know, he was a facilitator. He wasn't a John Moran or a Luka Doncic by any stretch of imagination. He was a old-school Rajon Rondo, if you would. But um, as the postseason play came his senior year, and they'd run that, that group of seniors, they'd gone on a 17-18, maybe 19-game winning streak. As they got to the Final Four, um, you know, I, I actually it was the regional. It was so it was Sweet Sixteen. I told him, look, these last couple of games, you're going to have to really uh, shoot the basketball because they're going to run away from you. Like you know, you've got COVID. If and and you know, when you raise up to shoot, they're going to think you're just shot faking. And um, was, he took, I think, either five of our first seven shots. He drained three of them, and. Uh, I was looking back at assistant coaches like, well, he did exactly what we asked him to do, but he was just, he was big time, man. He, he just, um, he just made plays for us. And uh, like I said, mainly a facilitator early on, but, but when the lights got brightest, um, he was, he was there for us. Scott Suttles, the legendary basketball coach at Tuscaloosa Hillcrest high school down in Tuscaloosa, TA7 is the name of the documentary. The story of Tim Anderson It is on the White Sox YouTube. It is definitely worth your time. So what's it like for you to see him have this level of success and notoriety now? Well, I, I just I think it's wonderful for someone at, at, at my level where you're mainly a teacher instead of the coach aspect first. This is just wonderful life lessons for really – everybody down here, but everybody that, that I coach, um, because he literally came from such a, you know, a, a humble background, humble beginnings. Um, and to have literally a broken leg, his sophomore season, which he can't play baseball and then trying to dunk, uh, in practice is going into his junior year. He breaks the other leg. So he misses out on baseball that season for him to persevere and show the resiliency that, that, that he has. That's, that's, that's gotta be, you know, just fuel for everyone else to, to realize that um, if that young man can do it, the old proverbial, uh, you can do what you want to do. If you really put the work in hard work pays dividends. It's, 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 it's wonderful for, for, for people like us as coaches. I talk about Tim a lot because I feel like he's he is he's a really good baseball player. But I think that he's embodied what the South Side is all about too. I think that he is all of the good things that can be on the South Side of Chicago. I'm fascinated by the fact that someone from T-Town who clearly still cares about Tuscaloosa the way that he does has been able to become a South Sider in Chicago. He takes a lot of pride in being a representative of both. And, and I'm, I love that about him. I think it's, it's one of the things that draws White Sox fans to him is that he, even though he's not from here, he is now of here. And, and seeing him in the documentary, like you understand, like seeing him even now being back in Tuscaloosa and, and wanting to be 
a, a, a symbol of pride in Tuscaloosa, he carries that with him wherever he goes. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, well, speaking of that symbol of pride, I came up in July and, and, and watched him play and sat six, seven rows behind the dugout and, and watching him, you know, whether it's a ground out, uh, Brayu throws him the ball back in the infield, Moncada, whoever, and he is the one who, you know, I'm sitting there after the top of the first, top of the second, watching everybody raise up beside me and like, what, what are we doing? Why are we standing up? And he literally tosses the ball. And he, so he over, you know, the, the, the net. The net, and, and it's just, um, I'm just thinking he's making a lifetime fan every single time he does that. And, you know, it's just, it's fascinating for us to see uh, his growth, his maturation. And um, I don't know, I, I, it's just, it's just, um, it's really, really exciting for us, especially, you know, when he does come back and, and he does so much for the, the community, and a lot of it's behind, you know, behind the scene. His wife Bria, um, and and he'll get a kick out of this when I say this that how, how much he's out kicked his punt coverage. But that being said, he he um, I, I just she she uh, hires all kind of barbers to come in a week before school starts to she gives away. Um, these bags that are full of all the school supplies uh, for the kids. And um, it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful to see how they, they are giving back um, to the, the, the people who are so proud of him. It is. It's a really wonderful thing. And it's a wonderful thing that you have stayed in his life too. Like no one that succeeds gets here without help. And coaches can have such a profound effect you seeing what Tim Anderson has become do you think that it's changed you in any way as a coach you know that's a really good question I I um I'll tell you something that's fascinating about Tim um I yeah I'm his high school basketball coach and he, he won one of our two state championships at Hillcrest and but I'm gonna tell you that the best is yet to come when it comes to Tim because he'll be on the West Coast, and maybe he's scuffling a little bit. And, you know, I, I, I'm I, I'm not a, a big facet of his life. But I'll text him. I would venture to say once a week, probably once every 10 days, just to thank him, to tell him how much we appreciate it. Uh, couldn't believe you tried to leg out that double, whatever it may be. This cat will text me. I'm talking about 90 seconds after the final out is recorded against the Angels or against uh, on the West Coast. And so, literally, he must run to the dugout after the game and get on his phone. And he just – he doesn't have to do that to someone like me. But he has never – the reason I bring that up, and going away all the way on right field with this, he has never not texted me back. And uh, he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to do that. But – but to him, he does. And um, the time constraints that are put on him, especially now as being the all-star that he is, and um, I don't know, it just it just really makes you as a coach uh, humbled because some of those things that you tried to 
instill in them that you got to remember where you came from. You have to remember to thank those and, and, and we're blessed. The Lord has really blessed us. And so to those much is given and, and, and he's just remembered that and he's never wavered in that. And that's, that's very refreshing. Well, this was delightful, man. I'm, I'm glad that we got an opportunity to talk. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the rest of the installments of the documentary TA seven, the story of Tim Anderson, Scott Suttles is a big part of it, and you can check him out there on the White Sox YouTube page inside the first episode of the documentary. Scott, thank you. Congratulations on all the success that you've had down in Tuscaloosa Hillcrest. Roll Tide. Um, And I appreciate you being on the show. Lawrence, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. That is Scott Suttles. See, the thing is, is that I remember sitting down with Tim Anderson at SoxFest. Like, this is like when he first the got here and you know, Tim's kind of quiet, but there was a confidence. Like it was almost a hubris about his skill. And I remember saying, I forgot who was producing may have been BMAC or maybe even talking to Ranji about it. I was like, that guy's got a lot of confidence. And to see then a couple years later, the white Sox asked me to host their ACE program, their amateur city elite program. They do a really good job with, the young players in the program, they've gotten a lot of kids from the local area to college through the ACE program. It's a wonderful program. And they were having TA speak. And so I was going to do like the Q&A because there's a lot of Jackie Robinson West kids. You know that you know, I was a part of Jackie Robinson West and he was really nervous. And, and we were talking, I'm like, these kids idolize you. There's nothing to be nervous about. And seeing how the players all reacted to him, it's very cool. He's such a great ambassador for the South Side. I think there's a bunch in athletics. I think Curtis Granderson is another one that's a great ambassador for the South Side. My hope is to be a great ambassador for the South Side. But obviously, like Tim is, is more like omnipresent. He lives here. He, him and his wife, coach is not lying. And think about that. When, when you're Tim Anderson and someone's like, you outkicked your coverage. He did. Bria has been on top of all of the stuff that Tim is out here doing. And they clearly make each other better. And it's awesome to see. He's, he's everything that, that can be right about the South side of Chicago. And I appreciate that about him. It's why it's why even when I'm angry at the White Sox organizationally, I keep thinking about like him. And even last year, think about this. Tim Anderson's a young player. And he took it upon himself last year to mentor Billy Hamilton, who's older than him. And, and he told Billy, you don't have to just be the defense and base running guy. You can do more if you want. Having a positive influence like that, it, it doesn't have to just be in a dugout. It can be anywhere. We're very lucky to have him. We're lucky to have him on the south side. We're lucky to have him in Chicago. And for those of us who are baseball fans, we're lucky to have Tim Anderson as a part of Major League Baseball. He makes the game more fun. 
And he clearly still understands that he can do more with the platform. And that's damn cool. Back after this in the score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. I'm really looking forward to tonight's game between the Bulls and the Bucks. Obviously, Milwaukee is one of the best teams in the NBA. I want to see what happens on this back-to-back for the Bulls, where they have a lot more of their pieces. Their rotation has shrunk now because Patrick Williams is back. I imagine he will get some run in certain situations of guarding Giannis. Giannis will be without Chris Middleton tonight. I'm not going to worry about Grayson Allen because I'm not worried about Grayson Allen. I just want to see the Bulls put together 48 minutes of competition. In the games that they've lost, it's been pretty apparent early on that they were going to lose. They were 2-8 and eight in their last 10 going into last night's game. In a lot of those games, there were moments where you're like, man, I, there's no way the Bulls are going to be able to figure out a way to win. Well, they got an opportunity tonight. They did a good job against Toronto, a game that they kind of had to have if they wanted to stave off playing in the play-in tournament. You now have the tiebreaker against them, but that doesn't mean that the the journey is over and you're faced immediately with one of the best players in the history of the league who's playing as well as anyone. I I think that quiet as it's kept, we talk about Embiid, and, and Jokic and, and I, I Jokic and I believe Jokic should be the MVP, but don't sleep on what Giannis is doing and continues to do. That being said, run as many people at that dude as you have to. Use up every single foul that you got to try and slow him down. Because that's the only way that you can beat these guys is by making him have not a great night. He's always gonna be good. Make it so it's not a great night. I'm looking forward to watching it and listening to it. We will have it. Chuck and Bill have the call for you later on tonight here on The Score. I'll talk with Parkins and Spiegel next. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 